Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, June 26th, 2021. We all have tough days. Sometimes it might just be something simple where just things just don't seem to go well for whatever reason that day. It might be something physical where uh, maybe we're just struggling or we're sick and under the weather. Uh, Maybe some bad things have happened that hurt us uh, emotionally. Uh, We know that there are tough days, but where do we go to on those tough days? Well, I want us to go to where the writer of Psalm 77 went on a tough day, and he went to the years of the Most High. So if you want to look at Psalm 77, uh, and as we read yesterday, we kind of cut off at a very awkward spot in this psalm as it's ending with the psalmist asking, has the steadfast love of the Lord ceased? Are his promises at an end? He must have been having a tough, tough day uh, to be asking those questions. And maybe there's days where you feel like that. You're like, man, is does God even love me? Is God even there? Is he keeping his promises? But then the whole Psalm shifts in verse 10, when he says, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the most high. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. And so we see that's just... Uh, through verse 15 there, but you see he starts to change his attention. He thinks about the years of the Most High, and that was just a powerful idea to me, the years, right? The years of the Most High in contrast to our tough days. And even if you're thinking, okay, well, this trial that I'm going through has been more than days. I'm going through a trial that's lasting years. Uh, Well, even then, when we compare, even if it is years for us compared to the years of the right hand of the most high God. Well, then man, it really feels, uh, it really feels like days again, right? Just our time compared to uh, the time of God is such a, a different thing. And when we start to think about how big our God is, that's when our problems can find their size and can fit into the right places in our minds. And then he remembers the deeds of the Lord. Yes, he remembers his wonders from of old. And so many times that's where we need to start getting our attention to. We need to put our attention on God's wonders, going all the way back to the Bible and all the way back to the amazing things that we see God do in scripture, one of which we'll see even today. Um, We want to look at those things. We want to ponder all of his work. And that's where, again, even on our tough days, hopefully we've lived long enough walking with the Lord to be able to look back and say, these aren't the first tough days that I've seen and God has brought me through them all. 
So I don't know what you're going through today, but especially if it's a tough day or a tough season in life, turn your attention to the years of the right hand of the Most High. Uh, Step back from your problems because sometimes we're, we're so close to our problems, they seem so big. We need to step back and see how much bigger that God is. And I hope that encourages you this Saturday morning. And so we want to move on now to Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2, we we don't get to all the familiar verses, but we read about the actual birth of Jesus Christ. And as we read about that, it sets the familiar scene that there was a Caesar who ordered that all the world should be registered. And so Joseph and Mary, they go to the town where Joseph's family was from, the city of David, the city of Bethlehem, because he was a descendant of David. And as they are there, there is no room for them in the inn, uh, but she gives birth to her firstborn son and wraps him in swaddling cloths and lays him in a manger, right? That Jesus is born. And the way it's just put in these verses, you don't really catch all of that maybe in the reading today, but consider everything we read in verse in chapter one. Consider what you know is uh, coming in our reading on Monday. Now, the rest of this familiar part of Luke two, I bring you good news of great joy. So as you think about this rather simple um straightforward account of the birth of Christ, I hope today that you remember how significant it is. That's that's what we should see today. That This baby that was born and wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger, this is our Savior. Our sins can be forgiven because of the birth that we read about here. And let's consider also the humility of Christ, even as we see that he was laid in a manger. There was no room in the inn, so he was born in a stable. Um, I, my wife just gave birth to a son last month, right? Well, we did that at a hospital, and they cared that ver- things were were clean there in that hospital. Or even those of you that have had uh, children at home and have chosen to do that, right? You're, you're going to set up the environment so it is nice and, and sterile to some extent and, and clean, right? To think of a child being born in a stable for animals. I don't think that's something any parent right now would really want to think about uh, doing, but that's how Jesus was born. And, and Jesus, we have to remember, is God in the flesh. What an amazing Savior that we serve. And we know what's going to be said next, that this is good news of great joy. This is news worth sharing, that there is a Savior, that there is forgiveness that is possible. And even one of my favorite illustrations of why we should share the good news comes from our Old Testament reading today as we go to 2 Kings 7 and 8. 2 Kings 7 and 8. And we pick it up kind of in the middle of something. Samaria is under siege from the king of Syria. And it starts today that Elisha says, hey, there's famine right now. Things are bad right now. Food is going to be available for anybody that wants it uh, tomorrow. And even he is mocked there. And the person that mocks him, he says, you're going to see it, but you're not going to eat of it. And that's a prophecy that ends up uh, becoming true. 
And then we see this story about these four lepers. And it walks you through their, their thought process, right? They, uh, they're sitting there on the wall and they're, they're looking at things and they're like, guys, let's, let's think through our, our options. There's a famine in the city. So if we go into the city, we're going to die. And if we sit here, we're going to die. But if we go out uh, to the Syrians, maybe they'll let us live. So they're reviewing their choices and they're saying, well, our choices are certain death, certain death, and almost certain death. Well, let's go with the almost certain death because, hey, what what have we got to lose? We're going to die. Maybe the Syrians will kill us, but maybe they'll let us live. And so these lepers go out and they stumble across this scene of this abandoned camp, right? The Syrians who were laying siege to Samaria, they have run away. And it says that that happened because the Lord made them hear the sounds of chariots and horses and the sound of a great army so that they said to one another, behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites or the kings of of Egypt to come against us. So they ran away. And so these lepers come across this scene and they've left all their stuff. They've left all their spood. They've left all their foil or all their spoil. So they go in and they start taking all this stuff. I mean, it's Christmas morning for these lepers. But in verse nine, I love what they say to each other. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household, right? That's a good parable for every Christian. We need to realize that if we're just enjoying Christ and all the blessings and forgiveness that we have from him, but keeping it to ourselves, we are not doing what is right. This is a day of good news. Jesus has been born. There is a savior. Our sins can be forgiven. What a great thing that is. It's good for us to share that good news with others. And so we see that there in Second uh, Kings 7. In Second Kings 8, we see this uh, woman that has interacted with Elisha. And it's amazing how her story works out. And God even is clearly orchestrating all of her circumstances. And, and the right person is there at the right time for her land to be restored A great example of how God is going to work for us. And so many times in our lives, we see God provide in the right place at the right time. And then we read uh, more just about some of the kings of the kingdoms surrounding Israel and then the kings of Judah. And we see that Jehoshaphat's sons end up straying from following the Lord. And we see that as a bad sign that came because Jehoshaphat, who was a mostly good king, Uh, He allied himself with Ahab, and we see even that his son uh, gets married to uh, the daughter of King Ahab, and that brings the whole kingdom uh, down. So that was a sad thing there. But I love that picture of those lepers saying, saying, hey, we need to share this good news. And we've already seen how committed the apostle Paul was to sharing the good news of the gospel. And and you see here in, in... at the end of 2 Corinthians, he is defending himself. And you can tell even he doesn't like to do that. And I think that's a good thing for us to note just as people and especially as servants of Christ. We don't need to get too defensive of ourselves. We need to just love other people, focus on serving them and not so much focus on just defending ourselves and making sure that we come across 
looking good, but there are times where that can be necessary. And this was one of those times where he, again, is defending himself from these false accusations. Uh, But you see his heart here. And it says there in verse two, it says, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And so just as we see that, you see his heart. He cared about these people spiritually. He wanted to see them following Christ. And uh, that that's what we all have to realize is the danger for us that we might get deceived and led astray. And I love that phrase, how it puts it from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's what should be the goal for all of us. I love Jesus. I am committed to him and nothing is going to take me away from that. And again, on those hard days, that's when we're going to be tempted to turn our eyes away from Jesus. But on those hard days, may we turn our attention away from our days to the years of the right hand of the Most High. May we remember all the great things that He has done, the provision for the people of Israel in our reading today, but even more, the provision of a Savior who was born and laid in a manger so that you and I might be forgiven of our sins. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.